Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show offers listeners firsthand insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and informative weekly blog, where you'll read and can comment on life as wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Chris. Like Chris said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. But before we start, I want to introduce the people at the table. We have who you just heard from, Chris Cannon, my co-host, who will be managing the board and taking your calls. Say hello, Chris. Hello. How are you, Carrie? I'm fine. How are you, Chris? I'm good. It's a little rainy out there today. Mm-hmm. And recording this show to make a podcast available next week is our technician, Jason Malik from Arise Studios in Conway, Arkansas. If right now you're sitting at your computer, you might want to watch us live on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. I'm waving to everybody. It's kind of fun to see what goes on behind the scenes. And at the breaks, it's real time rea- reality radio. If for some reason you miss any part of this show, you might want to hear it again. There's a way. Chris is going to tell you how. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to flagandbanner.com and clicking on radio show. Also, by joining our email list and liking us on Facebook, you'll get a reminder notification the day of the show with a sneak peek of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie. Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy began as a platform for me, a small business owner, and my guest to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. Along with, originally, my team and I thought it would appeal to entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs, but it seems to have had a wider audience appeal because, after all, who isn't inspired by everyday people's American-made stories? To see people in their totality is humanizing. We all thirst to connect and make sense of an overcomplicated world. And on this show, we have the luxury of time to go deeper than a soundbite or a headline. It's no secret that successful people work hard, but other common traits found in many of my guests are the heart of a teacher, belief in a higher power, and creativity because business is creative. My guest today is a seventh-generation Arkansan and practicing lawyer, Representative Mr. Clark Tucker. He is also the great, 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 I think that's enough great. Wow. I know. A lot of great grandsons of Arkansas's 18th governor, James P. Clark, his namesake, who took office in 1894, 1894, and later he served as a United States senator until his death in 1916. Clark is an overachiever, evident by all his involvements, awards, and accomplishments. Just to name a few, because I didn't want to list them all, because I didn't want to bore the audience to death, because it is long. He's the class president of the famous Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. He's a graduate of Harvard, where he studied government and was the student president for the Harvard Kennedy School's Institute of Politics. Magnum Cum Laude, graduate of law from the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, where he served as editor-in-chief of the Arkansas Law Review. Today, Clark is in private practice at the Quattlebaum, Grooms, and Tull Law Offices and is serving his second term in the Arkansas, as, yeah, in the Arkansas House of Representatives, District 35, which includes 
portions of Pulaski County, Little Rock, and Maumelle. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the hardworking, smart, idealist Arkansas House of Representative, Mr. Clark Tucker. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carrie. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I've known you for a while. Yes, absolutely. And I know your mother. And my father. And your sister. Yeah. Did I... And your grandmother. And my grandmother. And your grandfather. Yeah. I mean, really, I think I almost know your grandmother better than I know you. She's a she's a charming person. She never met a stranger, so if you met her, she tells good jokes. She does. She's a great joke teller. Absolutely. I should actually have your grandmother on. She's so entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. So your mother's Becky, and I think it's really interesting. I didn't know that your I did not know that your grandfather was once the governor, and I did not know he was who you were named after. Did your mother have some kind of premonition about you were going to go into politics and become a lawyer? Because he was a lawyer. Right. He went into politics. So the, actually, my name came from the fact my first name is Everett. and my, But that's your dad. So that's my so my dad did not have a middle name. He's Everett Tucker III. My grandfather did not have a middle name, Everett Tucker Jr. And so we, uh, my parents just thought I needed my granddad went by Everett. My dad goes by Rhett short for Everett. And everybody thought I needed to have something different to go by my grandmother, who, you know, actually on the other side of the family, she, she likes to take credit for it. She jokes that she told my parents that if they didn't give me a middle name, then she was going to call me IV because that's the Roman numeral for four and Everett Tucker, the four. So she, (laughs) she takes credit for the fact that I got a middle name. And, uh, but that's, that's how Clark came about. And well, and it must have come yeah. from your family. Right. I mean, she yes. picked it right out of your family. Yeah, absolutely. So you were the class president of Central High School. I was. Yeah. So you, were, you played baseball. I played baseball there. Going to Central was an extremely important part of my life. So my sophomore year there was the 40th anniversary of the integration of Central, and that was really the first time that the city of Little Rock embrace the important history that we have here. And I think it's important for us to own our history and and learn from it. And so the fact that I watched that happen and um, to be a little uh, self-promoting about it, my dad actually played a critical role in that. And so to watch my dad do that as a teenager and see it happen and then get to see the Little Rock Nine and develop relationships with some of them uh, to the extent that I could and learn from all of them, that was a very important and formative experience for me. You think that's why you decided to go into politics? I certainly think it has a lot to do with it. My, I have always thought, my parents always taught me that you, ha- you have to serve others. And, you know, if we're given a lot, then a lot is expected of us. And you can serve in a lot of different ways, for sure. There are a lot of different ways to be involved in your community and try to make a difference in people's lives. Politics is not the only one, but it certainly is one. But just seeing what they went through and the influential role that elected officials had in that process and what a difference you can make as an elected official certainly inspired me. Well, your whole family's overachiever. Your father is a successful real estate developer in downtown Little Rock. Your sister's a videographer. Your grandfather that I knew, or a cinematographer, I guess. Your grandfather that I knew, Dr. Boast, he, right. he was from Fort Smith. And yeah. what type of a doctor was he? Was he a baby doctor? He was the pediatrician. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah. So he opened a pediatric practice in Fort Smith in 1952. And he was only the third pediatrician in Arkansas. He was the only one between Little Rock and Tulsa from east to west and Springfield to Shreveport, north to south. Hmm. So I guess he wasn't home very much. Yeah, they, they made house visits in those days, as you know. And so my mom said they'd be having dinner phone would ring and my granddad would be out the door one couple things about his practice that i'm really proud of 
One is when he opened his practice in 1952, he only had one waiting room and not very many doctors only had one, if any, only had one waiting room at the time. They had uh, segregated waiting rooms for people of different races. Oh, I see what you mean. And uh, so he had a waiting room for everybody to wait together. And uh, the fact that he did that and was right on the front end of it in the early 50s is something I'm very proud of. And he also always made sure that people got care. And my grandmother told me a story that one time he had her give blood to a patient that he knew would not be able to make any payment at all. And so that that to me... Your grandmother gave blood to a patient? Yes, that my grandfather knew would not be able to pay. Doctors don't do that anymore. Hey, honey, come down here, will you? I need a little blood transfusion. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's a good story. Yeah. You could have done anything. You really could have. You're very smart. Everybody doesn't know that. You're very, very smart. Um, And you could have done anything. And you chose uh, government. So you went to Harvard, to the Kennedy School. Or what, how do you say that exactly? Yeah. So I, was, I went there for college, and one of the extracurricular activities that I was involved in was at the Kennedy School, which is a grad school. Did you get a scholarship to Harvard? So they don't really give out. Oh, they don't give out yeah. scholarships. That's yeah. exactly right. I so forgot. You can get other kinds of scholarships. and You're so we, smart. We I was wondering that, how but. you got up there. I was wondering if they did do some sort of an incentive, but you're right. I forgot that the, those Ivy League schools don't do scholarships. Yeah, so they, they do. Yeah. They make sure that you get to go, but they don't give merit-based scholarships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were in government there, and then you decided to come back and become a lawyer, and you went to or get a law degree at the University of Arkansas in right. Fayetteville. Right. Um, how did that come about? So I had a great experience, and I made some great friends in college, and I keep in touch with a lot of them to this day. But to me, Arkansas is home, and... I also uh, was dating a young lady who was enrolled in college at the University of Arkansas at the time. Fortunately, I ended up marrying this this, uh, <laughs> yeah, this young woman. So, yeah. so uh, But I, I did. Arkansas is home for me. I knew this is where I want to spend my life. And I didn't know necessarily whether I wanted to be a lawyer, but I, I wanted to get that legal education. And I had a great opportunity there. Um, and it was close to the to the woman that I would eventually marry. And so it all, it all worked out. And... You were voted in the class of 2006. Some of the awards you got. I told you, it's kind of boring listening you, to this. Gonna, Reading about it is blush. a little bit boring. Yeah. It's just like, oh, and then he did that. Oh, and then he did that. You were, in 2006, greatest contribution to the legal literature, best trial advocate, most likely to succeed. Those were some of the things in your graduating class they said about you. Yep. They didn't say anything. B- bad bad uh, judgment on their part is the only thing I'll say about it. Why were you the editor-in-chief of the Arkansas Law Review? So that's just, it's just something that, you know, in law school, if you have an opportunity to do, then you just do. It's I had two very unique experiences as part of that process. One was, uh, and those were that I was in charge of some commemorative issues for some people who had passed away. Uh, judge Richard Arnold, who was an Eighth Circuit judge here in Little Rock, passed away just before I became editor-in-chief of the Law Review. And so we had a commemorative issue just for him. He went to law school with uh, Antonin Scalia. And so uh, he also knew Bill Clinton very well. And so both Bill Clinton and Justice Scalia made contributions to that uh, edition of the Law Review that I was in charge of. So that was pretty cool. I got to work with both of them and their staffs on putting that together. And um, that was a, a very... 
you know, fulfilling process. And then actually the dean of the law school who had served as dean my first two years at the school, Richard Atkinson, who was a really a mentor to me, uh, a man that I just flat genuinely loved. And uh, he passed away. And so we did a commemorative issue for him. So the law review in general can be a, a very uh, stimulating thing where you it's not just the, about law. Yeah. It can be also biographies about great people. That's right. Tell that's stories. That's right. What is it about law that you like? Is it the part about oral writing? You are a wonderful public speaker. I first met you uh, at, I saw you at a podium and I thought this kid, you were 10 years ago and I thought this guy's going to be a, our governor one day. I had no idea that you were politically bent in, at the time. And I don't think you were at the time. But I actually thought when I saw you speak for the first time, I thought, wow, he could be the governor of the state of Arkansas. You were probably 30 years old when I first saw you. Uh So what is it about being a lawyer that is that the part that appealed to you was that you that you get to orate? So everyone's supposed to have equal rights under the law. And it's really the same thing about being a lawyer that uh, is public service and politics in general attracts me because you can really make a very important difference in someone's life if you do it the right way. And, you know, lady justice is blind and that's the way that it's supposed to be. Unfortunately, that's not always the way it is in reality, but we can make it that way if we do it one person at a time. And that's the way that I've tried to do it. I don't know if lady justice is blind. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that to me. Somebody's got to defend the guy, even if he's guilty. So how do you call that blind? Well, that's that's part of being blind, I think. Oh, yeah. That's, everyone everyone deserves due process, and I mean that's what that means. I think it would be hard for me to be a lawyer and to know that my client was guilty, and I still had to go to court and defend yeah. them. So I, I haven't done a lot of criminal law. In fact, I've done almost none, um, and uh, so I, I understand that. Uh, part of it, though, I think people need to understand in both civil law and criminal law is that. Uh, like, for example, if you have a client that's guilty, it's not that you always go to court and say that he's innocent. It's, oh. Sometimes it's, you know, negotiating a fair deal on behalf of your client with the prosecution to make sure uh, that every, that justice is administered fairly. Okay, so you graduate from school. You're a lawyer now. You've got a lot of credentials, a lot of creds. You've, uh, you've been given a lot of awards for you and been semifinalist in national trial competitions. And you go and you get a job as a Where'd you get all this information? (laughs) (laughs) Don't every one of my guests say all that when they come on. They're like, wow, you know. (laughs) So it's it's one of my favorite parts about this show is I get to read all about my friends and Mm -hmm. stuff. But um, Judge Leon Holmes, you went to work for him. Yes. He's a great judge. You could have probably gone anywhere. Well, I don't know. Uh, But but to me, I've always wanted to come home. So I spent four years out of state in college and I spent three years in the Northwest part of the state in law school, but Little Rock is where I always knew I wanted to be. I'm just, I'm a a very family oriented and community oriented person. And so for me, uh, you know, this community and my family is part of my DNA. And, and so it's really inconceivable for me to live anywhere else. And I, I'd been to law school and I wanted to get a good job. And, uh, and, and that was that was. And then a you great went to, and then you decided to go into private practice with Quattlebaum Grooms and Tull in Little Rock, specializing in commercial litigation. Do you defend? Do you defend um, companies? Yes, uh, so we do both. Uh, it was prim- you know the practice was primarily commercial disputes, so it could be a contract dispute, for example. So yes, we would defend a company who might have been sued for breach of contract, but mm-hmm. if we represented another business or person. 
who felt as though they were in a contract that someone else had breached, then we might file that Because that seems lawsuit. like a conflict of interest. And by night, you're a represent. I mean, by day, you're defending companies and corporations against the people who are suing them. And then by by your public service, you're over there working for the people. It seems almost like they don't go together. Well, no, that's not that's not the case. I mean, we all we represented all sorts of people in my law practice, mm. but regardless of the practice of law, that never had any effect whatsoever on my public service. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Arkansas House of Representative and Attorney Mr. Clark Tucker, who is currently running for the Democratic congressional seat against incumbent Cron- Congressman French Hill. We'll get to know Clark more. We'll talk about his idealisms and ambitions for his life of public service. We will be taking calls throughout the hour, so get your questions ready, and Chris will give you the number after the break. Boost morale and patriotism with a new flag or flagpole from ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. We have poles, hardware, accessories, maintenance support, installation, and custom flags. We have flags of all kinds for the sports enthusiast, the world traveler, or history buff. We have them all. Bring in your old flag and get $5 off a new one. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. Come shop our historic location at 800 West Knight Street in Little Rock or visit us online at FlagandBanner.com. FlagandBanner.com is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, where listeners are offered firsthand insight into the humanity and commonalities of successful people shared in a conversational interview with Carrie. Along with this radio show, FlagandBanner.com publishes a free biannual magazine called Brave. First published in October 2014, Brave magazine harnesses the power of storytelling and human empowerment. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized Brave magazine's documentation of American life and microfiches all editions for the Arkansas State Archives. Subscribe to this free periodical by going to flagandbanner.com and selecting magazine. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Arkansas House of Representative and Attorney, Mr. Clark Tucker, Tucker, who just happens to be a seventh generation Arkansan and a Democrat running for Congress in this November the 6th election. If you have a question for Clark, you may call. That's going to be 501-433-0088. Say it again, Chris. 501-433-0088. Before the break, I was talking to Clark about his family. He's a family-oriented guy. I know his whole family. And we were talking about what an overachiever he was in high school. He was class president, student body president. What were you, class president or student body president? Isn't there a difference? I think so. No, I, I can't was, remember what it is. Yeah, though. so class president is, is in charge of the reunions. I was student body president, which was in the student council. In school at the time. Oh, he's more serious. I'd be the class president in charge of the keg. But go. anyway, uh, so, um, and then we talked about you going to Harvard, and then we talked about you going to law school, and then we talked about you coming back and clerking for a judge, and then we talked about you going into private practice. And now we're moving up to you being running, deciding in 2014 to run for the Arkansas House of Representatives. Why? What happened? Did something happen? Yeah, I had a few screws loose, I think. But, I think so, too. Yeah. I think that about all politicians, yeah. though. Now, I, I, being a lawyer is a, is a perfectly fine way to make a living, but I personally felt unfulfilled. Oh. Um, and I uh, I worked with great people, and I, by and large, I liked the people that I represented, but um, but 
I still went home every day and felt like there was something missing, like there was something more that I could do for the community here. And so leading up to 2014, I was getting more and more involved with different community organizations here, but it still wasn't quite enough. And that seat opened up. My predecessor, John Edwards, had been term limited for his service in the Arkansas House. So it was an open seat and I just decided to go for it. What is the term? Limit. At that point in time, it was six years in the House. It actually changed the day I was elected. To what? Uh, it, you can serve up to 16 years in the legislature in some combination between either the House or the Senate. But you could serve, if you serve 16 years in the House, you couldn't serve any in the Senate, but you could do it that way. What is it about government that makes people like it so much? It's very complex. It is very complex. And I don't know that all that many people like it that much. My uh, sister teaches government. Yeah. Well, it's because you can have such a huge impact, I think, on people in our lives and our society. Mm-hmm. So what are you, you, when you, when you, um, well, you still are in the house. Some of your accomplishments are um, pre-K funding. Right. What'd you do? Yeah. So I think pre-K, first of all, is just the right thing to do to make sure that every three and four year old child has every opportunity to fulfill all their God given potential. I also think it's the smartest investment that we can make as a society. We actually get the the highest rate of return for pre-K dollars that we spend for any other government dollar that's spent. Wow. It's because um, if a kid has access to a high quality pre-K and they go to kindergarten, then everything that we want to see less of and that is expensive from a government standpoint, like yeah. remedial education, teen pregnancy, drug use, crime rate, violent crime, government dependency in other ways, those all go substantially down if a kid has access to high quality In those pre-K. few years, it's those years are that critical. Yeah, the earlier the better. I mean, I can give you some some facts that will blow your mind. And, uh, you know, this is one that I heard, and I may get it off slightly, but what I, I heard one day is that if the human body grew at the same rate as the human brain, then at one month old, a human would weigh 170 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the brain, 85% of cognitive development takes place by the fifth birthday. And we spend 95% of our public education dollars after that fifth birthday. Say that again, 85% of our... Cognitive so social, emotional, and intellectual development. Eighty-five percent of our brain development is is in the first five years of our life. Yes, we've got we've got them. We're putting them in the bed with a bottle and pulling up the side on the crib and right. leave. That's right. we've got that backwards. I had no idea. We have to be reading to kids from the day they're born, and if we do that, we change their lives. And pre-K is a critical part of that. Wow, I bet you're proud of that. Um, you also um, talk. Uh, protected Arkansas's private option, Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. I don't think people understand about um, how states can receive funding from the federal government about that. Can you explain that to everybody? Sure. Because some states opt for this and some states don't. And yeah. I don't know why every state doesn't opt for it. I don't know why either. I, so explain I, it to us I, and I, explain what I'm talking about. Yeah. So every state should. So traditionally there was Medicaid and that... Uh, really provided health care for people who uh, were well below the poverty level or had some kind of disability. What Medicaid expansion was under the Affordable Care Act is it would provide access to health care if you live up to 138% of the poverty level. That's about $16,000 of income per year for an individual, about $32,000 for a family of four here in Arkansas. And so these are people who almost entirely are working because they have that income coming in, but they didn't make enough to afford health insurance. And there are, I have tried to focus on policies that are both the smart thing to do and the right thing to do. And pre-K is a perfect example of that. This is another. So first of all, it's the right thing to do to make sure that these people can go to the doctor and have access to care without going bankrupt. And what was the dollar amount you said they made 
the where was this gap that they fell again in the income? Yeah, so it was if you're an individual, if you made up to sixteen thousand dollars a year in Arkansas, then you were ineligible for for any kind of help. Yeah, you were you were basically fell in a in a hole in the system. You were you made too much to qualify for Medicaid, right? But you didn't make enough to be able to afford it on your own. Exactly. So you just were out of luck. Okay. So, so pick up where you left off. I just want to make sure yeah. to reiterate that to everybody because yeah. that's a huge gap. Huge. Okay, huge. so go ahead. So you did. So w- when the Affordable Care Act was passed, it said we're going to provide federal dollars for these people to have access to care and have and, and have health care. So in Arkansas, what we did is, um, but ch- states had a decision to make as to whether they would accept those federal dollars or not. And in the beginning, it was paid for 100% by the federal government. Now it's going to be about 90%, paid for by the federal government and 10% for the state. It's still a great deal for the state to accept those dollars. It's not like if we turn the dollars down, that money's not going to be spent, the deficit's going to go down. That money's going to be spent somewhere else. It's just up to us whether it's going to be spent in Arkansas Why would every state not opt to get that federal supplement? The reason, and not to oversimplify it, but well, if, do oversimplify, yeah, please. <laughs> I, there, are, I think there are people who make decisions based on ideology more than they do fact, the facts in front of them and the evidence in front of them. Well, the ideology would be, I don't want my citizens to get federal funding for, I don't understand if that. If the government's too big or whatever the case might be. Oh, you think that they, so you think some state governors and legislator believe that government's too big as it is, and so they refuse to take any supplemental hand, handouts for their citizens. Yeah, and we can talk about this in a whole bunch of different ways. Here's one concrete example. Okay. In Arkansas, we expanded Medicaid. Uh, the surrounding states, uh, Louisiana has now expanded Medicaid. It did it a couple years after Arkansas did. So Louisiana aside, the other five states that border Arkansas are Tennessee, Oklahoma, Missouri, Tennessee, Texas and Mississippi, that's five. Um, they have had a combined 36 hospitals close since the four, in the, this decade, essentially. In Arkansas, we've had zero hospitals close. And the reason is because we expanded Medicaid and the other states did not. Louisiana, the only other state that borders Arkansas that expanded Medicaid, they've also had zero hospitals close. So it doesn't matter how great your health insurance is if your local hospital closes. And you know as well as I do that hospitals in the communities in Arkansas, they're a key part of the economic lifeblood. And it's not just hospitals, it's every medical provider. And so um, this is just something, you know, in Arkansas, we used to have $100 million in the budget every year to pay to hospitals for the uncompensated care that they had. And that line item is gone now because hospitals are being paid for the care that they provide because uh, so many more people have access to health insurance and health care. What's going to happen to health care? Well, the, uh, if you notice, I didn't say everyone has access to health care because that number is still not at zero. In Arkansas, after we expanded Medicaid, we actually led the nation in reducing the percentage of uninsured adults from 21% to about 8 to 9%. In my opinion, we have to keep working until that number is zero because every person deserves to have access to quality, affordable health care. And then that word affordable is the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is still so expensive in this country. And we and have everybody make, thinks it's insurance companies, but it's really not it's the pharmaceutical companies that are driving the price up. It's a, it's it's really everything. I mean, you, you can come at it from a, a lot of different ways. Pharmaceutical drugs are way, way too expensive. You're exactly right. That is an essential part of it. No one ever talks about those lobbyists. They all talk about the insurance companies like it's their fault, but it really yeah. more than not, it's it's the price of a medicine. Medicine is way too expensive. It's much more expensive in the United States than it is in other countries. And by and large, these medications are developed here in the United States. So it doesn't make sense for that to be the case. Um, do you feel like we're going to lose Medicare? I mean, uh, Obamacare? 
Uh, that's one of the reasons. So last year, um, the Congress passed the American Healthcare Act, and uh, that essentially would have so Medicaid expansion. The way we did it here was innovative, and it was bipartisan. Uh, we changed the way that uh, the, the president had proposed to expand Medicaid and did it in a new and different bipartisan way. In Arkansas, we and, did yeah, that. And we brought health care. As I mentioned, we have not closed any of the hospitals. And we brought health care to, at one point, it was 300,000 people. Right now, it's about 270 or 275,000. Regardless, it's a whole lot of people in Arkansas who wouldn't have access to health care otherwise. Mm -hmm. And the vote that they took last year, the American Health Care Act, it would have essentially dismantled Medicaid expansion mm -hmm. here in Arkansas and and taken apart that program that we worked so hard to, to put in place and that has made such a difference in Arkansas. So that's one of the reasons that I ran is to protect that. The other part of that is the bill that they passed would have removed protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Now, nobody thinks that uh, the Affordable Care Act is perfect, or I, I haven't met anybody who thinks it's perfect and it needs improvement. But one of the most important things that it did is it made sure that if you have a pre-existing condition, then you cannot be denied a policy and also Probably even more important than that is you cannot be charged more if you have a pre-existing condition. And the American Health Care Act they passed last year would have changed that second part. It would have allowed insurance companies to charge people more if they had a pre-existing condition. Did, and that's wrong, in my opinion. We have to keep that in place. That's one of the main reasons I decided Did you always feel that way or was it because you now have a pre-existing condition? Tell our, tell our yeah. uh, listeners you're a cancer survivor. Yeah. So I always felt extremely strongly about that. There's no question about it. But at the same time, there's no two ways about it. Having that experience does change your perspective. To me, pre-K and some of the criminal justice reform is another issue that I worked very hard on the state legislature, you know, making sure that people have good paying jobs. Those issues to me are extremely important. But having gone through cancer myself, uh, health care really to me comes first because it, it it impressed upon me that if you're not healthy, then there's really nothing else that matters. Health comes first. Um, if you're not healthy, you can't work and take care of your family. If you're a kid, you can't learn or go to school or develop. But. So I had a gentleman that worked for me who um, had health care through his wife who was going to lose her job. And he thought, oh, his daughter got sick. And we, he thought that... Um, he thought it was going to be really bad. It turned out not to be bad, but he was very concerned that she was going to have MS or something. And so he was the person you're talking about. He made over $16,000, I mean, $16,000 a year, way over that. But he didn't make enough to afford health care yeah. for a daughter who had been diagnosed right. and was now going to have a pre-existing uh, condition. Yeah. His wife was going to lose her health care because her job was doing a layoff. He was going to start trying to look for health care for his daughter with a pre-existing condition. He was considering going on welfare and everybody in the house quitting working so that they could get Medicare like you're talking about. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. No, it's it doesn't not. seem like you want to get people to stop working right. to afford health care. The only way we can afford health care is to stop working. That's that's exactly right. When we talk about pre-existing conditions, actually one in four children have pre-existing conditions. And really? Then, yes. And then if it's significant enough, they have to base their employment decisions for their entire life on whether they have health care or not. It affects our, it affects these people's lives the most, but it affects our entire economy. Well, what, yes, that's exactly right. When Obama, before Obamacare or Affordable Care Act, uh, uh, um, I had to provide health insurance and it, and every year it was going up and exponentially and it was just about to bankrupt Arkansas flag and banner and I could only afford and so I couldn't get any um, employees to come to work for me because they there was a lot of people 
or not any, but I couldn't get a lot of people that I might would have hired because they needed healthcare so bad. And they had to go work somewhere that they didn't want to work as much. Right. Like maybe for the state of Arkansas, they really wanted to work in the private sector, but they couldn't because yeah. of their health. Right. So they had to work for the state or for federal government. And it was kind of a shame that they were not getting to be fulfilled in their career yeah. because they were having to take jobs, yeah. like you said. I mean, if you want to talk about sort of economic freedom in our country. Economic you, freedom, that's a good word. You don't have it right now, number one, because of the healthcare situation, but also because of college debt to college tuition. What's up with that? It's, 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 we, we have to make a real effort to make it more affordable. Again, it obviously affects the young people who graduate with this crippling debt more than ever, anyone else, but it does affect all of us. I read within the last year that entrepreneurship in America is at a 25 year low. And that's, to me, it's obviously related because you can't take a risk and start a business if you know you have to hit that payment every month. You also can't really go into public service in the way you that you can't would buy like. a house. That's right. That's right. Why is it so expensive? When I went to school uh, or when my husband went to school, you were able to work a part-time job and go to college and pay for your pay your way through college. Why is it so much, so expensive today? Because we even have the lottery that's given money and given scholarships. I don't understand why it's gotten so so expensive. Yeah. Why is it? Well, the the lottery is a whole another topic. Um, but why is college so expensive it, these days? It's just it's it. Th- it has gotten so much more expensive and it's grown exponentially more than the rate of inflation. That's right. Yeah. And so we have to, we have to do what we can to rein in the costs and to make sure that what you're describing is possible, that people can uh, work their way through college without graduate. Right now, if you graduate from a public school in America, on average, you have $25,000 in debt from a private school. It's about 40,000. And that's just way too much. We also need to work to make sure that that debt can be refinanced in the same way that any other kind of debt can, like you can with your home mortgage or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. But, College debt is the only kind of debt that you can't manage or refinance in any way. And that's also wrong. So I had your father, Rhett Tucker, and your sister, Catherine Tucker, on this radio show in August of 2017. Mm -hmm. And we talked about your father's success as a real estate agent. And your sister was starting the Arkansas Cinema Society. And while I had him on, we had a caller call in and ask your father if you were going to run for governor. How about that? How about that? So to that caller, no, he's going to run for Congress. Hmm. I really did think you would run for governor before you ran for Congress. Yeah. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we take a break, when we come back, we're going to ask him why Congress, why is he leave? Why is he, why is he going to go do, do you have to live in Washington if you, you got to spend a lot of time up there. Yeah. That's funny. All right, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Arkansas House of Representative and Attorney Mr. Clark Tucker, who is currently running for the Democratic congressional seat against incumbent Congressman French Hill. We'll dig into the issues in Washington and find out where he thinks he can make a difference. We'll be taking calls, so get a pen and paper ready. Chris will give you the number after the break. But first, I want to remind everyone we're broadcasting live every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central Time on both KABF 88.3 FM the voice of the people and flag and Facebook page. And that after one week of every show's airing, a podcast is made ava- available on all popular listening sites and YouTube. Boost morale and patriotism with a new flag or flagpole from Arkansas's flag and We have poles, hardware, accessories, maintenance support, installation, and custom flags. We have flags of all kinds for the sports enthusiast, the world traveler, or history buff. We have them all. Bring in your old flag and get $5 off a new one. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. 
Come shop our historic location at 800 West Knight Street in Little Rock or visit us online at flagandbanner.com. Flagandbanner.com is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, where listeners are offered first-hand insight into humanity and commonalities of successful people shared in a conversational interview with Carrie. Along with this radio show, Flagandbanner.com publishes a free biannual magazine called Brave. First published in October 2014, Brave magazine harnesses the power of storytelling and human empowerment. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized Brave Magazine's documentation of American life and microfishes all editions for the Arkansas State Archives. Subscribe to this free periodical by going to flagandbanner.com and selecting magazine. Thank you, Chris. Um, you're listening to Up In Your Business with, with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the Arkansas House of Representative and Attorney, Mr. Clark Tucker, who just happens to be the seventh generation Arkansan and a Democrat running for Congress in this November the 6th election. If you have a question for Clark, make a comment on flaggingbanner.com's Facebook page or write this number down and call. 501-433-0088. Uh, say it again. 501-433-0088. And if you're shy, you can just sign up for my weekly blog where you can read about life as a small business owner at flagandbanner.com. Or as Chris said earlier, listen to our more than 100 podcasts on all listening platforms. I want to take this opportunity to give a big shout out and thank you to Centennial Bank for partnering with the Friends of Dreamland Ballroom and sponsoring this year's Dancing into Dreamland, which is Friday, November the 2nd. Two weeks. Wow, it's coming up. Chris, are you going to come? I am. I invited. You are invited. Okay. Um, uh, there's a few. T- there's still tickets left, but the tables are going fast. I think we sold two more tables today. So thank you, Centennial Bank, for making that happen. Before the break, we talked. We I was talking to uh, Clark at the beginning. We were talking about how smart he is, and then in the second part of the show, we were talking about how um, service oriented he is and how he what he's done in the Arkansas House, and I just loved some of the stuff that you've done. And I think it's interesting how you've worked across the aisles to create a great um, uh, health care program for Arkansans that really worked. And you said as a model to everyone, um, in, to the whole United States, that we set records on how we, we were the shining example of how to do it right. Right. And, uh, and then I thought it was really interesting that your brain grows 85% of your brain development is between is up to ages one to five years old. And that pre-K is really important. And it's really important. We invest money in pre-K. I did not know that. So we're up to today and you're running for Congress. Yes. Why Congress? It's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You don't know the answer probably. He's like, I have no idea. (laughs) People say to me all the time that you must be crazy. And they're probably at least partly right. Well, I think all of these politicians are crazy. And people also say to me, between having had cancer last year, and I should say for the sake of your listeners who don't know, I'm, I am 100% cancer-free today, and that's the most important thing. Nice. But between having had cancer last year and having kids who are nine and six, why are you running? And my answer to them is those are the reasons why I am running. Um, my healthcare experience combined with my experience in the legislature, just knowing how important healthcare is to every person. And then watching Congress last year pass the American Healthcare Act, which would have taken healthcare from 23 to 24 million Americans. And then after they passed the bill, they went to the Rose Garden and celebrated about it. And to me, that was reprehensible. And, and we needed a, a, a new person in Congress to represent the people here, make sure we all have access to quality, affordable healthcare. And then um, that really feeds into the other part of what I mentioned. I think we can't, our country is as divided as it's been 
right now, certainly in my lifetime, probably well beyond that. And it stems from the fact that you have our elected officials celebrate when they're taking health care away from people. And you have political ads in our uh, discourse that are uh, fear mongering and race baiting and, and that sort of thing. And uh, I want my kids to grow up in the same kind of country that I believe I grew up in and that we want our country to be. Uh, I don't think we can take the future for granted. I think we have to earn it. And you don't do that by sitting at home on the couch. Um, you do it by getting out and fighting for the country th in the way that you want it to be. And so. And I think, I think the voters want there to be, um, um, I think they're tired of the strife. I think they want there to be. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, what am I trying to say? cross-party yeah, collaboration collaboration yeah in the in the state house where i serve now there's 72 republicans and excuse me 76 republicans and 24 democrats and i still passed over 20 bills off the house floor and i did that by you just sit there's no substitute for hard work but on top of working hard what i have found is that you actually learn more from people who have a different perspective than you than if they already have the same perspective and so i would sit down obviously with some people on uh, the same side of the aisle as me, but uh, with, with a lot on the other side as well and figure out what our shared goals were and how we could work together to, to get to that place. And if you do that, then I would always learn something. I would always improve the policy that I was proposing. We would get it done and it would actually make a difference in the, in the lives of the people that we're supposed to represent. That's exactly right. Um, you, are working on the Affair Affordable Care Act is one of the reasons you want to go up there. But you also said on your website you want to expand the er the earned income tax credit for working families. What does that mean? Yeah. So if you uh, Ronald Reagan actually called the earned income tax credit the most pro family, anti poverty, most pro job creation policy ever to come out of Congress, or or one of the uh, most kinds of those policies. And and so what that does is if you're working, it gives you a boost. And it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about now. In the healthcare system, if we don't make sure people have healthcare, then they might want to quit all their jobs to make sure they qualify for Medicaid and get mm -hmm. access to healthcare. Earned income tax credit actually motivates people to earn more money because they get more of a boost if they do that. What is earned income tax credit? So at the end of the year, every, every year when we file our taxes in April, some people have to pay more, some people get a tax return, whatever the case might be. If you are, fall in cert, certain income tax levels, and it's, it's always on the lower end of the spectrum um, because those are the people who are trying to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps out mm -hmm. of poverty. And if, especially if you're in a family, you have children, you're in those lower income levels, you're working hard, then you get a boost when you get the the tax credit back at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Actually about, I think it's a little less than half of American families are one $400 expense from a financial crisis. Wow. So you break a wrist or break your dishwasher, then your family is in dire straits and that's not the way it should be. And so to me, the two answers for that are we need better paying jobs so people can sustain on a weekly and monthly basis moving forward. But then you also have to have something come in once a year. And in this case, it's the earned income tax credit that gives you a boost that will let you put a down payment on a car mm -hmm. or pay off the credit card bill or whatever the case might be. It's a savings plan. Yeah, that's because that's most of us can't save. Yeah. Including me. 
Right. So it's kind of a savings plan. At the end of the year, you get a nice little check. Everybody waits on their right. IRS check, their income check mm-hmm. to come back in, rebate, and then they yeah. spend it on something they need. Right. Vacation. Yeah. Vacation. So <laughs> the two things about that are that I'll just add real quick are you do have to earn it. You have to be working. To That's get right. That. But then the other part about it, which is the point that you just made, everyone who gets that earned income tax credit check, they put it immediately back into the local economy because they have mm-hmm. to they, they have to spend that money in order to survive. So it actually boosts the local economy. I thought about it, that, yeah. It's for every dollar that you uh, generate, that you do with the earned income tax credit, I've read that it generates two and a half dollars in the local economy. So I know you do, you probably don't think about this, but I'm a businesswoman and I think about it. And um, everybody wants wages to be higher, but everybody wants the cheapest price they can get. And everybody complains that wages have not increased. But everybody loves the fact that what used to cost you $300 now cost you $100. Everything is cheaper. I mean, my TV, I cannot believe how cheap my TV is. Yeah. Everything is cheaper. So it's a catch-22. You can't continue to get cheap products and get high wages because what do, what do business owners do? When they want to make a sale, they lower the price so that consumers will buy from them. Well, now their profit margin has been way cut. So who's going to get raises? Nobody. So it's a vicious kind of cycle there. How do you, I don't know how to, you fix that. I have no idea how you would fix that. Yeah. It's, it's obviously something that is very complex and we have to have a lot of uh, work from a lot of different angles to put into. But the key to me is just having better paying jobs across the board but you better, can't get blood out of a turnip and, and better careers. But yeah, so now we, we have unfilled jobs in Arkansas right now that people, uh, for example, I, I don't know if this is correct or not. So I probably shouldn't say it, but I, I know that there are electricians, plumbers, welders, there are un, uh, underutilized professions and you don't have to have a college degree to do mm-hmm. it. You can go get a certification at a career and technical school and th- that ought to be more affordable and accessible to people as well. Mm-hmm. And if you get a certification like that, then you can earn 70 or 90 or a hundred thousand dollars, which is an outstanding living in this state. And so if we, if we do a better job of preparing people for higher, better paying jobs, then uh, they'll be able to afford what, you know, what they need at Arkansas flag and banner. And when that boosts Arkansas flag and banners mm-hmm. profits, then you can play, pay your employees more. And mm-hmm. it just circulates around in that way in which in that way we have an economy where we all get lifted so up. So you together. think education is the answer to getting higher paid jobs? I think that's one of the major keys. Uh, that would be great. But uh, we had a guy on here one time, he owned a trucking company and he can't find truck drivers. There's a shortage of truck drivers. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You just kind of, yeah, there's a real shortage of truck drivers. Yeah. I don't know. You don't have to have a college degree for that. No, you don't. You just so have why to- don't people go get those jobs? Yeah, we, so we need to do a better job of communicating with people who want jobs and workforce development, workforce training. Right mm-hmm. now, we don't know what all the jobs are going to be 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just, I'm not talking just about K-12 education. It needs to be continuing education for adults as well. And there are so many different ways to talk about it, which is why I hesitate because I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Another example is clean energy. You know, the, mm, There's uh, a lot of jobs there. And there's so much economic potential in Arkansas specifically for clean energy and it would have such a positive impact on our environment as well. That is something that we need to be promoting. Right now, I think there are 25,000 jobs in Arkansas for cleaning it for solar and, and other forms of clean filled? energy. 
Right now they're 25,000 filled, but there's a potential for a lot more. The way someone put it to me and it, it stuck in my brain is that we live in the Saudi Arabia of the Western hemisphere for solar energy. And because we just, we live in the sunbelt, right? And oh. um, we live in the sunbelt. And so we have tremendous potential for solar energy in this part of the world. And, if and I we, believe there's rebates too. Government rebates. Yeah, there are. There are. Uh, you, and then the, another one you have on your website is uh, safeguarding elections and fighting voter disenfranchise. Right. But man, that's a big yeah, one. That is a huge one. That is a huge one. Uh, you know, and there's a, really two major ways to talk about that. One is just with voter integrity. And we know that Russia interfered with the 2016 election. The uh, president's national security advisor says there's incontrovertible evidence of that. So we need to be doing everything we can to make sure that they're not interfering in the 2018 election, mm -hmm. which is now 18 days away. Um, I mean, the, the sanctity and the integrity of our uh, democratic process is, I mean, that affects every other public policy issue that we have. Uh, really, and then the other way is it's the same thing because every public policy issue we have is affected by who's in office and who's in office is affected by the, the overwhelming role of money in politics. And we have to do something about that as well. How do people contribute to your campaign? For me, they can go. It's nah, the system there's we have the one now. you yeah. love right yeah. there. <laughs> the, he, he, I wish everybody could see turn bright red. Yeah. You're a blusher, yeah. boy. He blushes at the drop of a hat. Well, I've been blushing the whole hour when you've been talking about me. But, uh, it, that is the system that we have now, unfortunately, and we do have to have money. It's a it's the nature of the beast right now to get our message out and reach voters where they are. So if someone is so inclined to do that for our congressional campaign, they can go to my website, which is clarktucker.com, and there is an E on the end of Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E-T-U-C-K-E-R. Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. Clark with an E. Yeah, Clark with an E, Tucker.com, and, and uh, I'm confident there's a big donate button on there somewhere. I wish you should have probably bought Clark Tucker without the E, if possible. Mm, yeah, should have. Mm, and redirected, because and, I spelled your name wrong. Uh, and no. I've known you forever. Right. You're a rising star in the Democratic Party. I don't know about that. I don't know what that means. Yes, you do. <laughs> you are. You are a rising star. Has anyone uh, ever just flat out asked you, why should people vote for you? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, why? Every day. Oh, really? I, yeah. Uh -oh. I hope that they see in me someone who has their back and will be their advocate. Right now, we have too many people in politics, in including in my opinion, the person who holds this congressional seat right now, which uh, you just vote the party line. And to me, no party is right 100% of the time. And so if your loyalty is to your the, the party that you're with, then it's not to the people that you represent. And that's not right. I uh, am in this because I care about people and I wanna make a difference in our lives on the issues that actually affect us on a day-to-day -day basis, like being able to go to the doctor without going bankrupt, having a <laughs> decent paying job and having great educational opportunities for our kids. And I will work across the aisle in a, an effective way to actually get that done. And my loyalty and priority will, will always be to the people I represent here at home. But you know, it doesn't take much if you don't vote the party line for people to get mad at you and vote you out of office. Because it happened to, yeah. to prior. Yeah. Mark Pryor. Was it Mark Pryor? Mm -hmm. He he was a he he served Arkansas well and then made yeah. one wrong vote and Yeah. And Blanche Lincoln. Yeah. You That's know, why they vote the party line. Well, you just You'll get voted to, out of office. To me, my priorities are my conscience and the people that I represent. Those are my standards. It's not the party line. But the people that you represent will sometimes be mad if you don't vote the party line. Yeah, but... You have to juggle that you, all the you, time. You represent all the people, not just the people in your party. 
How are you going to get the young people out to vote? Let's talk about disenfranchisement. They won't go out. They will not put their money where their mouth is. I feel a lot of energy out there right now. More so than ever before. But yeah. I felt that there. I felt that before, and they still don't show up. Yeah. Well, you know, the ironic thing is that all of the issues that we're talking about will affect young people more than they will older people. I mean, the the environment and the issues are going to affect people who are twenty more than they will me because they're going to live longer than I am. Um, and Social Security, Medicare, uh, you know, it's going to be safe for the people who are there in the next. 20 years, but we don't know uh, beyond that. And so we actually, we're working on these issues almost more for younger people than we are for anyone else. Obviously everyone's affected and every voter and every person is important. And I, I'm, I'm not saying anything to suggest otherwise, but the reality is that these young people have on average a lot longer to live than the rest of us. And so they have, they have as much or more invested in the system as anyone else as well. I just want to take a second and tell everybody you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Arkansas House of Representative and Attorney Mr. Clark Tucker, who just happens to be a seventh generation Arkansan and the Democrat running for the Congress, for running for Congress in the November the 6th election. Once you're elected, how's your life going to be changed? Yeah, it'll change a lot. A lot. Yeah, so my family, my family will still stay here, and uh, we have a great support system here with family and friends. And I don't want to uproot them and move them to Washington, but um, you know, that's to me, that's the one thing that I could never feel feel right about doing this because I know it does take time away from your family. But I think it's the future of our country is important enough for me to do it. So the way the way that I would do it is to fly up to Washington on the days when I need to be there, stay there for however many days I need to be, and then come home at the end of the week. So you have to have an apartment in both places, I'm sure. Yeah, we would keep, my family would stay here and we would keep the place where we live here. And I, I would have to figure something out for Washington and I have no idea what that would be. How long can you run, how long, is there a term limit on how long you can be a congressman? Not for federal office, no. You ever going to run for governor? Or is that, a, if once you get, if you do get to be, gov, if you do get to be in Congress, do you ever come back and run for governor? Look, you know, <laughs> then you run for senator next after no, that, don't you? Believe me. Look, he, everybody, only, he's shaking his head, turning red, going, Carrie, stop. I, I've only got one election on my mind right now. That's the one in 18 days. That's the politician. That's good. I do. Everybody does talk about you coming back and being the governor here yeah. all the time. Okay. All okay. Right. <laughs> so what's going to be the hardest, most challenging thing when you get to Washington? Challenging, sure, is going to be your family and missing your kids. Because yeah. I see you all the time with your kids. You're very close with your kids. Yeah, absolutely. But when you get to Washington, what's going to be the most challenging? Yeah, so you're right. That's no, the, my family. That's number one. And uh, my wife and kids have been so amazing this year. I, I can't even describe how awesome they've been. And um, so as far as the job goes, though, I do see that we have tremendous gridlock in Washington, which is why I'm disappointed in members of Congress who vote the party line all the time. And I, I think we need to do a better job of, of working across the aisle to get things done. Mm -hmm. But that, that's not the way it has been. And it's tough for one person to change that. But I don't think we should give up on it. Um, that's, that's just naturally who I am anyway. I, I try to work through things with people and figure out how we can get places together. But I think it's important for the future of our country right now. And it's going to take a monumental effort by more people than just me, although I will do my part to make sure that we can move forward together as a country and try to try to move forward from this division that we're facing right now. So y'all can donate again to Clark Tucker's campaign by C-L-A-R-K-E Tucker.com. You can go to flagandbanner.com and click on radio show. And then we'll have links there also if you, if you forget how to do it. 
thank you so much, Clark, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Look, here's your gift. Oh, wow. Oh, you I need that it. to go to our, it's a desk set for our radio listeners. It's oh, a desk right. set, Arkansas and U.S. You need that. Absolutely. I need that. Thank you Do you, you have one much. of those already? Well, yes, may, maybe, yes, but I yes. need another one. Need another one. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have two desks. Yeah, that's so right. So you need one there in two different places. Right. There you go. That's right. Uh, who's our guest next week? Oh, this is going to make you mad oh, when I tell you this. Yeah. I'm out of town next week. And so I have to say it, right? You, so you have to dum, say dum, it. Dum. Incumbent Republican Congressman French Hill. So Congressman French Hill was on in October of 2016. And since I'm out of town, we're going to play his, um, his podcast from two years ago. He was running for office then. I cannot believe you'll have to run every two years. Mm -hmm. That sounds absolutely awful. So you need to listen, listeners, because these guys are both wonderful. They're both friends of mine. They're both wonderful men. They're both upstanding guys. But they have very different views on the way they approach this seat, this this new seat. So, you know, which one aligns with you? That's what you need to find out about. And you need to vote for your, you know, as everyone does, you need to vote for yourself. Um. They've got just very different philosophies on how to change. It's not that one's right or wrong. Um, I mean, you, you know, just like you said, it's across the aisle. There's a little bit right about both. But you really do need to look at which one affects your life and which one's the one that's going to be the best one for you. And that's yeah. how you need to vote and be yeah. informed. Yeah. People are just not informed enough. Um, next week after that, we have. And please vote no matter who you vote for. Please vote. That's right. Please get out and vote, everybody. Uh, the week after that, we have the artist Pat Matthew. He is going, he is, he's the artist that paints the American flag and the Arkansas flag and people kind of copy his work. You'll see him around town. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to give another shout out to Centennial Bank for partnering with the Friends of Dreamland Ballroom and sponsoring this year's Dancing into Dreamland Friday, November the 2nd. Tickets and tables are still available online. If you have a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio or your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org. That's questions with an S at upyourbusiness.org. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And I can't believe if you didn't learn something today or hear something that's inspiring or enlightening because today was a great show. And that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy a production of flagandbanner.com. If you miss any part of the show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to flagandbanner.com and click on Radio Show or subscribe to her weekly podcast whenever you like, wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. And Carrie's goal is to help you live the American dream.